1: The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by The Canadian Brew House. Now from the Osmond Auctions broadcast center, Reid Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio, Radio. 630 AM. Well, the only good news out of that game is that it takes us
2: one step closer to the finish line, and the Edmonton Oilers are stumbling and bumbling their way towards the end of this season. Pretty lifeless effort tonight, losing 3-0 to the Minnesota Wild, who controlled the game More or less front to back, except for a little bit of energy from the Oilers early in the second period. Didn't help matters for Edmonton that they lost two defensemen in the second period. Andre Sekra and Johan Avitu both went down and did not return. So 4-D for the Oilers for about the second half of the game. And uh, it showed in the third period. 21-3. The Wild outshot the Oilers in the third period. They finally iced it with an empty net goal from Joel Erickson-Eck. Zach Parisi scored in the first and the second for the other damage from the Wild. So that's it for the Oilers' road games this season. They finished with a mark of 17-22-2 away from home. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 8.53 Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. My name is Reed Wilkins. Former Pittsburgh Penguin Rob Brown is here as well. We want to hear from you. 780-496-001. Well, Rob, I don't know how you felt. I never got the sense the Oilers were going to win that game, and as it dragged into the second period, I never really got the sense they were going to score.
3: Yeah, it was a game that lacked urgency and desperation for the Oilers. Uh, they had a couple opportunities when they got the power play to see if they could ch- change the momentum in a game, and instead it went the other way, as their power play created you know, next to nothing. Uh, their top players today were not good. Uh, you know, Connor did not have a strong game. Leon had uh, a really poor game, not only by his standards but by you know anybody's standards. It was not a good night for the first line. And on this team, there we where we've seen throughout the season, when the first line isn't scoring, there's not a lot of puck support. There's not a lot of other lines that are picking up the slack, and you got no Nugent Hopkins in the lineup. So it it was a tough night. Uh, I thought their goaltender Cam Talbot was excellent tonight. I thought it was a, a pretty Strong effort by the four defensemen that had to finish the game just playing as a foursome. But other than that, I'm not sure you can look at the lineup and find a forward that you felt had a strong game.
2: We had. Three stars we saw on the TV broadcast. Bob Stoffer read off a different set of three stars, and the three stars on the game sheet are different <laughs> from both of those. Uh, on the NHL.com game sheet, Preezy first star, Brodeen, second star, Coivre, third star. Let's go with those so we ones. Can, we can give Cam Talbot our fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out Auctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. He got beat on a breakaway. He got beat on a rebound where McDavid wasn't back, and then he was the only reason it wasn't six or seven nothing. By the time this one got to the end of the end of the
3: game, Talbot was good. Talbot made a bunch of big saves. Uh, There were a number of odd man rushes in the third period. The Oilers were pushing a little bit, but also uh, turning the puck over in places they don't they shouldn't have. I mean, the one thing that when I watched Minnesota today, Minnesota was very good at if there wasn't an odd man break. They dumped the puck in, and they dumped the puck into a position where they had a chance to create an offensive chance out of it. They had rim it hard away from Talbot. They go cross-corner with their other guy, their winger, flying in there so they could win the race. The Oilers, on the other hand, they got caught in that trying to beat guys at the red line, trying to beat guys at the blue line. And and, and it's understandable if it's you know a McDavid and or a, a Dreisaitl they have a little more free reign to do that. But there's one example, Zach Cassian coming across, trying to beat two guys at the blue line, turns the puck over. It's coming back in an odd-man rush against. He's your fourth-line guy. Fourth-line guys do not get freedom to try and beat guys one-on-one or one-on-two. You dump the puck in, play to your strengths. So tonight, a lot of odd-man rushes Cam Talbot had to face because the Oilers had poor puck puck management through the neutral zone.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was just pretty much a bad game all around. And I think the last... Yeah, I mean the Oilers they 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 were they've they haven't been in a good position all year. Um, you know they had a chance coming out of the Christmas break. They blew it going 1-6 and 1. They put a lot of emphasis on that second uh, or sorry on the first California road trip in February. Where they, you know, were pretty far out of it, mm-hmm. but they thought if we might be able to do something. They, they lost all three games on the road trip. Then they lost six in a row, and and Glenn Gulson from the Flames talked about sort of a mourning period when you realize it's over. I think the Oilers went through that, and then okay, they you know they lost that seven five game to Florida. Then they were playing okay since then. You know they they won eleven or twelve out of twenty, and it was like okay. To me though, now with the Columbus game, I mean they they beat L A. Um, I didn't think they played bad against Anaheim. They nope. lost in overtime. They, they got a little overwhelmed, I think, and overmatched in the third period. Uh, to me, starting with the Columbus game now, we're seeing, uh, I think, guys are, oh, there's that last game coming <laughs> up on, on April 7th, and, uh, you know, don't yeah. want to get too nicked up for the holiday that's coming up. But, well, I mean, yeah. I know some guys are going to Worlds or
3: whatever, yeah, but, it, but it's, it's it human a nature. drop-off since yes. Columbus. Human nature, they see the the end of the tunnel, and it's for a lot of guys it's a tunnel that you want to get through very, very quickly and forget about this season. Uh, there's a, a few individual things that guys would like to achieve, but for the most part, there's some veterans on this team that want the season done because it has been a, a season to forget. And uh, and they just yeah the realization that uh, all the promise that this season held in September disappeared, and now the Oilers a number of their players are looking more forward to next September than they are looking to the next week here with the season ending. So three
2: nothing the Minnesota Wild take it seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Alex on the line. Hey Alex. Hey
4: guys, how you doing? Good. Um. So, further to your point about how they were just kind of seeming to play out the string, I-, I did a little quick math. Ever since McDavid made it 3 nothing versus Columbus, or uh, McDavid assisted on the 3 nothing goal versus Columbus,
2: mm-hmm. Edmonton
4: has been outscored 15-3, to and McDavid has only notched one point in that time span. And from my angle, uh, or from my eyes, it seemed like they were desperately trying to get McDavid that 100 points, doing everything they could to give him ahead of the scoring race. And ever since they've done that, they've just given up. It seems like okay, we know he's going to read it or win it. We have nothing else to play for. Let's just play out the rest of the season. That's my take. Anyway, guys.
2: Thanks yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I do think they wanted to mm-hmm. help him get to 100 and, and win the the scoring race. I I don't know if that's specifically why they've they've let off the gas. I mean, they were... And both coaches talked about it after that Columbus game that both Tortorella and McClellan felt Columbus was playing better. Edmonton just happened to get a couple mm-hmm. of goals off Columbus' mistakes. So, yeah, I mean, interesting take by by Alex. I never thought of it that way, but, I mean, clearly that game, again, has marked a little bit of a del- delineation here towards uh, less inspired hockey.
3: Well, I mean... Hockey players or anyone in athletics athletics want something to strive for. They want a goal. And, you know, one of the goals, obviously, when a season lost is to get McDavid the the scoring title. And everybody more or less announced when he passed Kudrov, it's all right, scoring, it's done. Now, no one thought that Connor would slow down the last couple games. But, yeah, that small-term goal is over. And right now, there's really no more goals. It's not, well, we can win these two, and we'll have yeah, a record. It's, there's nothing. 23rd, like, yeah, it, it, it's not I there. I don't
2: think they care if they finish 23rd or 25th at no. this
3: point. No, they, they don't. And it showed in their play. It was, for the most part, very, very uninspired today.
2: 3 nothing. the Wild take it. We got more calls coming up, but let's go back to the XL Energy Center. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan.
0: Well, we, power play is uh, is one of the areas because we didn't gain any momentum we didn't need to score but we didn't gain any momentum and then I think when we lost uh, the two defensemen <coughs> pardon me uh, halfway through the second uh, the other four ran out of gas a little bit we spent more time on our end you got to give them credit they they smelled blood and they went after it and played a lot below our goal line and uh, anytime we did get the puck we were we were uh, out lot of gas to to jump into the player to make anything happen. So um, you know, give them credit. They uh, they found a weak point and they went after it.
4: That first five minutes of that second period, though, too, as well was that not scoring. Then they come back in their very first flurry of shots. They're able to get one in. Is that kind of does that reset the team a bit and maybe uh, take down away some of the energy?
0: I think that always happens when you have uh, you know. First of all, we didn't have many chances. So when we did have the the few that we had. Um, you know, it comes back and it, it haunts you. Um, you know, and it, it kills momentum. It kills any energy that you might have at the back end of a road trip. And then, as I mentioned earlier, you get short-staffed and and uh, it just seems like you're skating in mud. The passes aren't real, uh, real accurate. A lot of pucks bouncing around and they get energized and uh, it's just you're fighting a, an uphill battle. What did you think of Cam? Just speaking of fighting and just kind of keeping your team... I thought it was a good bounce-back game for him. Um, you know, the good thing... About Cam, is he is uh, he's, he's been able to bounce back from games uh, earlier in the year, it took him a little longer. Um, so he's uh, he's doing a good job. That's why we chose to play him tonight to give him that opportunity. And I thought he made some uh, some tremendous saves, uh, especially late in the third, where we were uh, playing in our end a little too much. You guys have been going pretty well for for a stretch there, and now it's like four or five losses in a row, and the and the mood doesn't seem as good. Are they running out of a little emotional gas down the stretch here as this thing winds down? I think. The emotional part of it, I think that's fair to say. Um, they know there's a finish line. The finish line is is non-rewarding, um, and um, you fall behind. You you feel like you don't get a break. You miss a net, uh, an empty net, or something like that, and it takes a little bit more out of you. And you know we should be more resilient. We're not right now, but um, we're going home. We got to push hard for two.
3: Injury
0: update on those two uh, well they didn't return and I haven't heard much since I know one needed x-rays the other one was uh, having something else checked out so it'll be uh, it'll be a tomorrow thing.
2: All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. I, I think we can assume from the the shot block and the way it played out, and the way he hobbled off the ice, so V2 likely the guy that needs X-rays. So and then we'll see about Sackr.
3: No, and it's it's not funny, but him getting off the ice, how on one leg he was able, I, I that's hard. Yeah, <laughs> to be able to go to to C cut all the way to the to the bench without putting his other foot on the ice. I mean that's a, a power skating drill that. Uh, power skaters have their players do. Most can't do it for very long. And he was able to get off the ice in a timely fashion. Feel for Oviedo, too. I mean, you don't like anyone getting injured, but whenever a player who's been sitting in the stands gets his opportunity, you hope that he gets an extended look. And unfortunately, his, his opportunity may have ended tonight with a shot off the ankle.
2: Yeah, so the uh, defenseman... Time on ice, much higher than usual. Russell plays twenty-six twenty-nine. Nurse plays twenty-six forty-six to lead the way. That's our adjustment of the game. For the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors, if it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Minnesota all over the Oilers tonight. Three nothing is the final. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Logan on the line. Logan, you made it through that one, did
4: you? Yep, I did.
2: You're all you're a brave fan. What's on your mind?
4: Um, my mind was it was a tough game for the Oilers tonight. They, they kind of get a uh, good defensive team starts, with their goalie Dubnik. I sure missed Nugent Hopkins. The power play was awful with two shots, but I'm not concerned about when Talbot had that weird save.
2: Which save was that?
4: The one between the first period. I was not happy.
2: Well, you thought he should have stopped the, the first goal?
4: Yeah, that was my
2: point, though. Oh, sorry, okay. Yeah,
3: that, that's, you know, uh, to me, a five-hole shot is a great shot. A uh, goaltender has his digger skates in. It's a hard shot to hit. You have a small area to hit, and a lot of players don't like going five-hole because if you miss, you look dumb because you just hit him in the pads. But I, I, I've said it many, many times. A guy that I play with, Joey Mullen, who was a great scorer in the National Hockey League, he always went five-hole. And he taught me how to do it. And it was a good shot. So if a goalie gets beat 5 full on a breakaway, that is not on the goalie. That is a good shot by the player.
2: Yeah, because the goalie's expecting to move yeah. his arms or legs so yeah. one and,
3: either side. And normally what you do as is, is a forward coming in there, you, you flick your wrist a little bit. You just move the, your stick just a tad, and that freezes the goalie. Once the goalie's got his skates dug in, then you go five-goals. You can't close them. So it was a, it was a great play by Parise, a, a, a kid that has scored a number of goals in the National Hockey League. He knows how to put the puck in on a breakaway. So the, to me, that's not on Talbot. Talbot was excellent tonight, and the only reason this game was even close.
2: Yeah, and as Logan mentioned, Nugent Hopkins didn't play, Matthew Benning didn't play uh, both, uh, well, Tom McLean said he was hopeful both could return for Thursday against the Vegas Golden Knights. 3 nothing. Minnesota wins it tonight. We have Eric on the line. Hey, Eric.
4: Hey, how's it going? Good. Good, awesome. So, just a couple questions. Uh, do you think it's fair for Todd to actually like have a chance to bench cheat sometimes, you know, in the game? Because tonight, again, uh, I thought it's a horrible game for him.
3: Well, I know his his minutes are way down from when earlier in the season. He played a
2: little more today to, than he played 16 today. So, uh, which is he's more. been down around 10, 11 a lot lately. So
3: he has his minutes have been cut through the last month of the season. I think for a long time they kept pushing, pushing, hoping that he would break out of it because of, you know, this is a long-term oil. This is a guy that's here for another, what's he got, five years left? Six, five years left yeah, after this after year. This. So they wanted him to find some positive in his mm-hmm. game uh, tonight. I don't know if... Todd could have benched anyone tonight because he would have had to bench just about everyone up front. That's true. <laughs> so there was no one strong. But yeah, I think Milan's, his, his numbers are are down from where he was earlier in the season. And
4: for the power play, you think, uh, you know, remember like Letesh, you always got success on that one timer on the on the left side. Mm-hmm. You know what, we, we're not short of like, you know, right-handed shooters, right? You know, I think somebody could have do something over there.
3: Well, they, they've tried a number of players. Obviously, Mark was there for a long time. They've tried Strom over there. pooley had a little bit of a look, more on the second unit they than that unit. Um, yeah, in a perfect world, you have a right-handed shooter there and when you have two lefties, like McDavid and Dreisaitl, you want a righty at the top as well. So that gives you two one-timing options. I, I know that there was a lot of people pushing for earlier change on the power play, moving Mark Letesto off it quicker. That didn't happen, but since they eventually made the change, they have tried a number of different power play units. They've split up Dreisaitl and McDavid, they put them back together, they threw Nugent Hopkins on having three of them, they took Lucic off, went with no really net front presence. They've tried a lot of different situations or different formations and none of them have worked and and a lot of it honestly is is on the coaching but it's also on McDavid and Drysdale. They're the guys that are running the power play when they're on the ice and they're the ones choosing not to shoot.
2: Do you think and thanks for calling Eric. Do you think McDavid and Drysdale no the last two games of this year let's face it we're mm-hmm. not too worried about those but are they going to have to be on different power
3: plays? No, they're not going to have to, but they're going to have to change their, their thought process on it. Tonight, a good example, in the I guess it would have been in the second period, they're on a power play, and Leon's got the puck on his left-hand side, his normal side, more or less against the boards. Connor McDavid is on the opposite. He's in his one-timey, but his offside wing on the opposite boards. Leon tries to make a pass from one boards all the way across to the other boards to Connor McDavid. There's really no advantage of that. Connor's not shooting from the boards. So your risk reward on that one, the risk is you have to go through four sticks because mm-hmm. Minnesota's got their sticks in the lanes. Your reward is Connor has the puck on the opposite side with no shooting lane, no shooting angle and no one to pass to that's going to create a goal and that puck gets deflected, eventually gets shot down. So they're they're forcing pucks to themselves too much and every team when someone has success a, on a power play, or in penalty kill, but if on a power play someone has success, you are you are watching to see why they're successful. So every team that saw that the Oilers were good last year, what makes them good? What's their plays they like to do? What's their go-to? All right, here's their go-to. Let's take that away. Mm-hmm. So the reason the Oilers are not as good this year on their power plays they were last year, with more or less the same players most of the year, is they took away what the Oilers had success with. So if you're a power play, you've got to adapt. You've got to change. And the one way you can change is put pucks on net. And the others don't do enough. They have a right-handed shooter now, Nathan Bear, who likes to shoot the puck. If I'm running the power play, and I'm, I mean, if you want to create chances and even get points, if you're the high guy, just feed them one-timers. Let them take three one-timers on the first power play. Guess what? The next power play you have, they're going to defend him because they're not going to want him blasting away. Now when he, the defender moves up closer to Ethan, to Ethan to take that away, that opens the cross seam pass. But the others are, I don't know, hard-headed at times when they're on the power play, but they continue to force plays that aren't working.
2: Yeah, I think that's, and I mean, to add on to that, they don't, they don't look like they have any confidence. Mm-hmm. And I know when you're on a power play, Robin, you've been on power plays. I know you don't always pass the puck as, as, as maybe as, as quickly because you want to keep it under control, but I mean, just with the Oilers, it's pass, okay, stop it, mm-hmm. okay, look up, okay, now I'm gonna skate to the top, okay, now I'm gonna throw it back down to where I just was to the guy who took my spot, and and I know, like they're they're doing things, tactically on the power play that I think most teams do. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's taking them twice as long to do them.
3: Well, there's there's a hesitancy on it when they're doing it. And every time you hesitate, you're allowing the penalty killers that much more time to get in the right lane, to move their stick in the right place, to get their body positioning in the right body positioning. When a team is... Ha, is is doing well on the power play. When they have confidence, they zip it around. And a lot of times, they're making plays without looking because they know that's where yeah. he's supposed to be. And we watched Minnesota tonight. And they probably didn't score, but they created momentum. And a lot of the plays, they were set up four passes before they yep. went. They knew One where the puck was passes. going. Yep. Yeah, and they were just bang, bang, bang. And there's a shot in the slot. And the Oilers on the other end, they're bang stop, bang stop bang stop and as a penalty clear, you don't get tired and it allows you that extra second to get in the right position
2: three nothing the wild beat the oilers tonight don't forget booster juice donates 25 dollars for every oiler's goal to the juvenile diabetes research foundation booster juice an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world you can track the total on the oilers page on 630chad.com com. right david is on the line hey david hi guys how you doing pretty well good uh Shirelli's really put the
0: Oilers behind the eight ball for the next three years with Secra and Lucic's contracts. Eleven and a half million dollars is going to handicap him to be a playoff team for the next three years. He's got to go.
2: Well, if he goes, the players; those players don't go though. That's the only thing, David. And you don't think you don't you think Sekra's finished? I'm not. I'm not convinced Secker is finished.
4: Well, he's getting
0: older and slower every year. Is another year older.
3: Well, that, that is true. I, I, I mean, I, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt coming back from an injury where he was off for half a season. He, the, he needs to be better. I mean, Sekiro was very, very good for the Oilers last year. And you hope that he can get back to somewhere close to that. If they do, then his contract's not a bad contract. If he yeah. can't, well, then you're in trouble. The Lucic one, yes. Milan Lucic has to be a much different player next year.
0: It's, it's the worst contract in the NHL is Lucic's contract. He, I mean, if he's had any slower, he'd be using a walker.
2: He's had a horrible year, David. I mean, there's especially yeah. since Christmas. I mean, his pace before Christmas was Good. normal, but yeah. then it's just. I mean, he's totally. Yeah. And as Rob said, I'm sure he's one of those guys that can't. If 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 somebody called him and said the last two games are canceled, I don't he, think he would think, "Oh, too bad, I don't get to play." I mean, he's had it a horrible year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Thanks for calling, buddy. Thank you. All right, 780-496-0063. It It is nine fourteen. Robert is up next on the phone line. We're looking for somebody to finish the play as well at 780-496-0063. Wild over the Oilers, 3-0. Dubnik gets the shutout in his 400th career start. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre.
1: Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Check For them, if you're an Oilers fan next year, up the left wing, forwards for Zach Parisi,
4: gaining the line, Granlin, a center, pass flubbed, then a backhander, Granlin stopped, and then he threw the rebound wide, and then a sprawling, Talbot makes a great save. Well, Cam Talbot,
2: very busy corner. tonight. He makes 37 saves, including 20 in the third period, but... No offense at the other end, the Oilers lose three nothing to the Minnesota Wild. That was the save of the game for Arcan Trailer and RV Center, Alberta's favorite RV dealership now carrying motorhomes. Other NHL action tonight: the Jets outscore the Senators six five. I know people are talking about Eric uh, Eric Carlson picking up the puck at the end of the game, Ottawa's last home game of the year.
3: Yeah, uh, maybe he thinks that that might be his last ever game in Ottawa, and if it is, it's uh, an end of an incredible era, and some other teams going to be very, very lucky.
2: Panthers beat the Hurricanes 3-2, Capitals over the Blues 4-2, costly for St. Louis as they're trying to sneak into the playoffs. The Kings lead the Avalanche 2-0 late in the first. Dustin Brown has his 24th. Maple Leafs down the Sabres 5-2. Austin Matthews, two goals, both on the power play. He has 33. Nylander scored twice. He has 19. Leafs get their 48th win of the season. The Sedins announcing their retirement. Their last game will be Saturday in Edmonton. Western Hockey League playoffs. Victoria wins over Vancouver 4-3. Game 7 tomorrow. Spokane trying to force Game 7 against Portland. Kyler Yamamoto's on Spokane. It's uh, 3-1 Spokane in the second period. Game 7 in swift current. The Broncos lead Regina 3-2 with five minutes
3: left. Some pretty close games right there. The, so, Victoria, they're going home for game seven. They're going home for game seven. And their goaltender is the reason they are going home. The shots, what, 43-20. to
2: 43-20 for Vancouver. And they lose. Oilers prospect Tyler Benson scored twice for Vancouver, and Edmonton-area product Noah Gregor got the game winner for Victoria. And Cliff Ronning's son
3: scored a goal Ty for Ronning, Vancouver. he's, he's, he's having a great year. He's a Saturday, very talented yeah. young player, and his father was a great hockey player.
2: Blue Jays 1-4-2 over the White Sox, and the NCAA basketball final, Villanova is going to win it. They're up 71-52 with four and a half minutes left. I'm calling that one on the Advantage Trailer Rentals out of town scoreboard. Wow. Well, pretty safe bet, eh? It is. Pick well, Villanova, everybody. I've been watching. They're up 19 with four minutes left.
3: And Michigan is not hitting any baskets at all.
2: We have Miles on the line, 780-496-0063. Hey, Miles.
4: Hey there. How you doing? Pretty well.
3: No, I just the reason I was calling is, is
4: I keep hearing all these people that are complaining about uh, Lucic and all the you know our bigger players. We spent what ten years trying to get bigger players because we couldn't even get a playoff spot, and now all of a sudden, oh Lucic this, Lucic that. We're paying dry. We we sold the farm. We get rid of Everleigh for six million. We we got what we get for him, right? Uh, Taylor Hall, thirty-seven goals this season. He's we sold them, guys. So what I'm having trouble with is, is we bring in these big guys. They're doing the best they can. They've helped us get to where we didn't get last year. Finally, we made it. And now all of a sudden, you know, we got dry who's getting, what, $9 million a year next year for 10 years?
2: No, he's, that- he's already getting eight and a half. It started this year.
3: Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, these guys that are getting that kind of money aren't being bitched about. And, and oh. yet... Well, no, Leon, Leon Dreisaitl has taken his share this year. As far as the big players, Milan Lucic, and you, you can walk up to Milan Lucic and ask him how his season is going. He is having a terrible season. Zach Kassian, another player they brought in to, to be a big physical force, he is having a terrible season. So it's not a, I, the people that are calling and talking about these players, they're not off base. They, those players are struggling. And, and I, I, the line you said where you said they're doing the best they can, I hope not. I hope that Milan Lucic is better than he's shown this year, and I believe he will be next year, but they are having bad years. And Leon Draisaitl the last two weeks, has not been good. He's not been as good as he needs to be. Uh, but the, this, the, when the team... And when they're going to miss a playoff spot by, it's going to be 22 or 24 points probably by the end of the, the season, there's going to be a number of players that are going to get called out because of the season, as well as a GM, as well as a coaching staff, uh, and, and rightfully so. And so the, the, play, the people that are calling and, and crit- critiquing a player like Milan, uh, it's justified.
2: Yeah, I mean, Miles made a good point that the Oilers were lacking in bulk and aggression mm-hmm. for a long time. So I don't, you know, I, I do think they needed to pl- add players with that in their skill set. The, yep. the problem is, is that is that this year the those players haven't played to their potential or haven't played to their skill set. I don't. I mean, there's this whole debate about heavy hockey against speed, and and I'm going to say, quite frankly, I think it's a BS debate because any good team has a mixture, mm-hmm. and. Okay, you know, as sounds as if like the Pittsburgh Penguins are, are pushovers, like they they can still play sturdy hockey, they can still play puck protection hockey, they can still check a lot of their quote unquote skilled guys. I mean, Sidney Crosby may be the best puck protector in the NHL, yep. so he can play heavy hockey. It's not the same way Milan Lucic plays heavy hockey, but there's you know there's a lot of different subcategories to that as well. So, did the Oilers uh, bring in players with different skill sets? Well, you're darn right they did. Did they need those types of players? You're darn right they did. Are those players performing to what it was hoped their skill sets would be? No. I, I think is some of that on the general manager? Sure. Is some of that on how the players have played this year? Uh, absolutely. But but I don't think, you know, There's the Oilers aren't fast enough and they don't play fast enough. And mm-hmm. we talked about it on the power play. They have fast players who are pausing. Yes. Um so I don't think it's, it's a, it's yeah, you're either a fast team or you're a heavy team. I, I think you need a, a combination, and the combination for the Oilers this year is, is, is one.
3: Well, off. I mean, you just go look around the National Hockey League. Look in the Western Conference. Anaheim Ducks are, are going to make the playoffs, and they're a big, heavy team. Uh, the LA Kings are going to make the playoffs. They're a big, heavy team. They're Both teams, I would think, would be bigger and heavier than the Oilers are right now. San Jose Sharks. Actually, they've gone a little faster, but there are big, heavy teams that are going to make the playoffs this year. But also, their big, heavy players are skilled and they can play the game at a at a high level and at a quick pace. I mean, Corey Perry and Getzlaff, they are big, they're big, strong men. They can still play the game with pace. Right. So yes. he... You need, to, you need to be able to play in any situation, any type of game, and be able to win any yeah. type of hockey game. Yeah, I, and that's what I'm saying, yeah. is that I
2: don't, I don't think that, that heaviness, if you want to call it that, and it's becoming an overused term, but I don't think that's all of a sudden outdated. I, I just think the players who are supposed to bring that to the Oilers either, A, haven't brought that, or, or haven't brought anything else. I mean, Lucic had a couple good checks tonight, but... The, the, his play around the net and his offense has has evaporated.
3: Well, he's got one goal in 44. games. Whatever it is now.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oilers lose three nothing tonight. We have Robert on the line. Hey, Robert. Hi.
4: Hey, guys. How's it going tonight? Good. Well, well. I have a couple. Of, I have a couple questions. And my first one is, how many how many free agents do the Oilers have at the end of this season? And my second one is, if there's any top UFAs out there. Starting July 1, is there anybody out there that you think maybe the Oilers go after to try and bolster a couple roster spots?
2: Okay, Raddy Camilleri and Ovitu and Mark Fain, who we haven't seen for a while, are unrestricted free agents. Benning, Nurse, Pacorinan, Kajula... Slepyshev and Strom are restricted free agents, so the Oilers can make, their, uh, make them offers to, key th- to keep them. I mean, the, the high-end f- free agents, I mean, Robert, we got some background noise, so I'm going to put you on hold there. I mean, James Van Riemsdyk is, I'd, I'd <laughs> but, love to have him on my team, but I can't see the Oilers going out and spending a lot.
3: That's the thing. Given
2: their situation.
3: Yeah, the Oilers can't afford it. Whenever it comes to unrestricted free agents, you overpay, because it's a bidding war. And the Oilers cannot afford to overpay anyone because next year their salary goes way up. Next year, Connor McDavid goes up to 12, was it 12 and a half million next year? So they, they're, they don't have the the freedom to go out there and overpay for a hockey player. So they have to be smarter when they bring in unrestricted free agents and, and find guys that they can get. They won't be the top tier guys because the top tier guys are going to be asking for you know mucho money. And the Oilers do not have that money to give.
2: 3 nothing. The Oilers lose tonight to the Minnesota Wild. Let's go back to XL Energy Center. Here's defenseman Darnell Nurse. ...out
4: of the team a little bit when you were blanked again on that one. Yeah, we got to make the most of those opportunities. Um, you know, but uh, guys battled tonight, and that's, uh, that's important this time of year. Cam Talbot, just talk about his game because he kept you in
0: it right down the stretch with some big saves. Yeah, with some huge saves. Um, each every night, you know, he's going to make a couple of keep you in it, and uh, he did it again tonight. You guys were, you're not losing by much, but you're, you're losing, you know, a lot of these one-goal games or games that are close, tight down the stretch. You, you wanted to finish strong. stronger, just putting a bit of a ball on kind of the way things are going, because prior to this, you were like 7-2-2. Two, two.
3: Yeah, um,
0: I think we battled pretty hard tonight. Second period, you came out with a ton of fire, it seemed like, and, and dominated for a while, and then Minnesota pops another one in. Is that one of those kind of disheartening hockey moments where, you know, you're doing everything but score? Yeah, I don't know if it really felt like that disheartening. Um, they, they found a way to win, and uh, we can not uh, solve Dubnik tonight, and uh, it's, uh, that's how it goes. I think we battled those.
2: All right, well, that's uh, darn all
3: nurse. Uh, well, I think they could have battled harder,
2: and... They didn't uh, credit to Dubnik for the shutout. I don't know if it's going to be the most taxing shutout of his career. He makes 22 saves.
3: Well, I would, I would think that Darnell would think there was a battle. Well, he, he had it, to he was, battle because
2: he had to play almost tw- half the game. He
3: played 26 minutes, so I'm sure that it felt like a battle for him. And and actually, Darnell, I thought he was, I thought he played well. I thought the, the defenseman, the four team, uh, actually, Larson struggled early. had a
2: tough first period.
3: I thought Russell was fine. I thought Nurse was fine. And I thought Ethan Baer being put in that position to go four defenseman, I mean, that's a lot of ice time for him playing against a very good Minnesota team. It, to me, it was up front where the Oilers struggled. I thought the back end four guys that played they gave what they had.
2: All right, time to finish the play. Kellen, what do we have tonight? Had it knocked off a stick. Two on one. Edmonton putting change. Wrist or save.
4: Rebound of lunging. Felino going to jam it home. Great play defensively by Ethan Baer to sell out.
2: Yeah, Ethan Bear able to save a goal there. So we're gonna bring Robert back in. We want to give him an eight-day parking pass to Jetset U Park. Brought to you by Jetset Parking. One night stays or long-term parking. Find your perfect match from 550 a day at JetsetParking.com with the promo code ChED. Robert, what WHL team did Ethan Bear play for? Was it the Seattle Thunderbirds or the Edmonton Oil Kings?
4: The Seattle Thunderbirds.
2: Absolutely, buddy. Stay on the line. Kellen will take down your information. Three Nothing. The Minnesota Wild beat the Edmonton Oilers tonight. If the Oilers can manage to score five or more in one of their two remaining games, we'll turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. The Oilers shut out. This is crazy considering they have the leading score in the league. The Oilers shut out for the ninth time this season. Franchise record 10 happened in 13-14 and also in 06-07.
3: Well, let's hope that they do not tie that franchise record. Uh, they got a tough game coming up against them against Vegas. Vegas is good. They have a very good hockey club. They play with pace. You want to see a team that has some speed, they are tenacious. They do not stop buzzing you. And the Oilers got their hands full, especially going forward not knowing who is going to be on the back end for them on Thursday night.
2: Yeah, well, they got Vegas on Thursday, who's very good. And then you're going to have... uh, I mean, Vancouver's going to care about that game. They are. It's the Sedines' final game, so they're not going to want to go out with a whimper. They're going to try to win it for the Sedins. So, yeah, I mean, the Oilers are going to have two uh, inspired teams. Vegas is coming in, getting ready for the postseason, and, uh, you know, Vancouver's not going to the playoffs, but they're not going to want to roll over and die in, in and the Sedins' final game.
3: And the one thing, well, and both teams that are coming in, and. and and Bob mentioned a little bit about Vegas. Both these teams, the one thing that you talk about when you say Vegas, work ethic. The Vancouver Canucks, their season has been derailed with injuries. And even as a healthy team, they're not a totally talented hockey club. They're a team that's going through a rebuild. But when you talk about the team, though, their work ethic too. They, they come to play each and every night. You know if you beat them, you have to earn it. So the Oilers are about to play two teams who've got strong work ethics. And the others are going to have to match it if they want to be in the games.
2: All right, three nothing. The Wild win. We got Jacob, Christine, Mike, and John up next in the batting order on the phones. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center.
1: This is the Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, six thirty, chan.
2: All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reid Wilkins. Minnesota Wild beat the Edmonton Oilers 3-0. The Oilers' record on the season now 34-40-6. Two home games left. Vegas on Thursday, Vancouver on Saturday. Zach Parisi scored. Twice tonight, once in the first, once in the second. Joel Erickson Eck got an empty netter to round it out for Minnesota. Both teams 0 for 2 on the power play. Shots 40 22 in favor of the wild. Cam Talbot made 37 saves. Dubnik gets the shutout. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You look like you want to jump in, Rob. Nope. No, I was just listening to how well you sounded. As I predicted Villanova beats Michigan 79 62. I predicted that when they were up by 19 with
3: four minutes left. A gutsy call. A gutsy gu- call? I mean, we call that the could, gutsy Reed Wilkins call pro- tonight.
2: At that point in the game, I probably could have made a $100 bet in Vegas and they just would have given me my money back. Well, maybe, I, a, you, nickel, maybe a nickel I would have.
3: You also said when uh, X scored the empty net goal, that might be the end of the Oilers game tonight. Well, I
2: think I might have been feeling that earlier, though I, maybe I hadn't vocalized it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Jacob on the line. Hello, Jacob.
4: Hey, hey. How's it going? Yeah, we're doing great. Oh, super. I just want to say thanks so much for your broadcast. It's amazing. It keeps me going on the road. I'm a little bit of a delivery driver. But one little thing I'm just really stuck on with the Oilers this year, they were doing so good last year. When their pride, you could see it was swelling. They had confidence. And now towards the end of the year, it almost feels like they're just like they're just—they're not playing for whatever's on the front of their jersey, and they're—they're they're, they're playing for stats, and it's cool. But I mean, like we can support McDavid all we want, but we got to get get some pride back and have some confidence. Yeah. I think.
2: Well, they didn't I even look know, like they, just... were, they didn't even look like they were playing for stats tonight, <laughs> and they didn't get <laughs> any. But it, yeah, it,
3: to me, this one's human nature. You look down the road in Calgary, the same thing. They had a pretty good season going. It looks like they're going to be a playoff team. It falls apart for them, and then they just lost seven in a row before they beat the Oilers. Yeah. When, when you're, your goal is lost, it's hard uh, to play with the same sort of passion as a team that's preparing themselves for a playoff run. Um, yeah, I understand your thought process, well you're still a professional, yeah that's true, but it, there's just, there's nothing there. It doesn't matter if, you, if they ran the table and last, won their last six, it didn't matter. They were not a playoff club. I, this has been a lost year, and it's not what they're doing right now. To me, it's what they did earlier in the season, and that's where the problem started. And a lack of confidence, maybe an arrogance at times, uh, a lack of players doing what they were supposed to do. When you're a role player, you have a role, and you have to play to that role. And I think some of the role players this year lost their way and didn't get so you can put it on the back of a guy that didn't score in 41 games, but there's other players that weren't here to score that weren't playing to their potential in the roles that they were in as well. So this is a, uh, an entire team uh, failure for the Edmonton Oilers this year. All right,
2: we have Christine on line six. Christine, thanks for calling.
4: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, how are you guys doing? Doing great. Awesome. So my question is, you know, how do you move forward? Because in, in my mind... You know these guys have had so many f- first to fourth whatever it is round draft picks and you think okay that's got to help build the team moving forward i know it's not the whole team but it, i just feel like i don't know we're spinning our wheels so how i think about teams like long time ago that weren't doing well and how did they move forward um you know i don't know well, how do we get question. past this like what what has to happen they've tried so many different things and nothing I, I like what's your opinion on that?
3: Well, it's going to come down to a few things. So the Oilers when the season ends, the management and the coaching staff. Well, first is going the upper management, upper upper management's going to decide if Peter Shrelly is good going forward. They got to decide if his job is safe. If they say yes it is, which I believe it will be, then they got to decide okay, is the coaching a problem, is it or is it a solution? And if they believe Todd is the right man, then he'll stay. And I believe that's what's going to happen as well. And then you decide okay, what happened this year? Is it on the players we had, or is this just a, an entire group that underachieved? Where do we have to get better? Um, and I, I, I think a part of it is the Oilers' brass is going to think that Milan Lucic had an off year. He's going to be better next year. Zach Cassian didn't play the, to the way he needed to play. So and so. And all, they're going to go through a whole list. I believe there will be some changes. I don't think it's going to be huge moves. The only moves that are possible would be a trade of either Nugent Hopkins or Clefbaum, because those are the ones you're gonna actually get something back. I don't I wouldn't make those trades. I think Clefbaum will have a bounce back year and he's on a really good contract. I think Nugent Hopkins, I liked what they've shown when he plays with McDavid. I also like the fact that he's a very good centerman if you don't play him there. I think that getting something back for him, you're just opening up another hole. They're going to have to find new players to come in because the Oilers don't have anything in the farm. They don't have guys that they can say, all right, next year this guy is going to be up here because we've seen what he's done the last three years in the minors. They don't have any forwards that they can bring up. They're going to hope that Puli will take step forwards. They're going to hope that Yamamoto can at some point next year be a guy that can play in their top six or top nine, maybe be a power play guy. So going forward, there's, a lot, there's still a lot of questions, but I do believe that they believe Peter Shirelli believes they have a, most of the right pieces here, and they're going to tinker with things on the peripheral. That's my thought on what they're going to do.
2: Hey, Christine asked a good question: like How have other teams done it? Well, they haven't all done it. Nope. I mean, there's some teams that have been bad for a long, I mean, long Buffalo's time. Buffalo's been, and look, we all know the Oilers ten years out of the playoffs. They were as bad longer than anybody. I think mm-hmm. Florida might have missed for ten years. So, but I mean, Buffalo's been bad for a while. Uh, Arizona's clearly had you know whatever three or four pretty bad years. So some teams don't don't step out of it. Um, you know the teams that that did. Okay, the Pittsburgh Penguins were terrible for four years. They had two first overall picks, two second overall picks. That turned one, out really one good. One of which was a goalie. Now <laughs> yeah. I know he's gone. That clearly helped. They got they got Crosby and Malkin, but those teams have also drafted well, yes. and that's where we're. And as you mentioned, Rob, there aren't really any uh, farm hands younger farmhands that can come right up that maybe got drafted four years ago and now they're 21 or 22 mm-hmm. and they've played a couple hundred AHL games and they they know what to do and they're going to step in. The Oilers don't have that. In, in two, three, four years, maybe they will. And maybe by the time Peter Shirelli's draft picks potentially pay off, he might not be the GM. That could be the irony there. But yeah, they, the Oilers haven't built from within. That, that's a huge problem. And you can't, I'll borrow a line, I think Spec said this on Bob's show, you can't build a team through free agency. You can augment what you have. Mm. You can say we've uh, we've got nine really good forwards that we've drafted, and they're all on the team. We need, a, but we we still don't have a second line left winger. Okay, we can sign that one guy, we, but you can't chase four or five guys through free agency well, well, and, and hope it's going to make a big difference.
3: Well, and just a little more on that point, you can't afford to chase through free agency because you overpay. So you need, and the second thing with the Oilers, which the Blackhawks had, which the the Penguins had, uh, which probably Tampa is going to have too, when you've got a couple superstars on your team or when you've got a couple high-salaried players on your team, you need players from within that are on good contracts to be able to come up and play. If you look at Pittsburgh, they've got some big contracts in Malkin and Crosby. But you look at Crosby's linemates the last number of years. There are no names that have come up through their system, they play at a good price point, and they can still win with those guys coming up. The Oilers have not had the players come up from their minors, and be able to produce and stay at this level and keep the Oilers in competitive games. That's why they've had to go outside of their organization to get players. And when you do that, you always overpay for an unrestricted free agent. Yeah,
2: that, That's a great question by Christine I, I mean, Chicago was was bad for a while. Mm-hmm. You got you won the lottery. You got Kane. You drafted Taves third. Uh, you got Duncan Keith in the same in the second round. Yep. Uh, and now and now Chicago's on the other end of it because their fans are mad that they have the guys making big contracts who are on the tail ends of their careers, but you'd, you'd sooner have that problem than with, never with having three, one at all. With three yeah. Stanley
3: Cups in the bag, yes. Yeah. Alright,
2: John's up next on the phone line. Oilers a stinker tonight. They lose 3-0 to the wild. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live
1: from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. All right. Thanks a lot for
2: tuning in tonight. It's 9:45. Minnesota three, Edmonton nothing. The final this evening. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, and we have John on the open line. Hey, John.
4: Hey guys. Nice show as usual. Thank you. Um, I uh, I didn't watch the game. I was actually playing hockey tonight. But I was calling to just uh, talk about Shirelli and the job he's done. Um, the only argument I ever hear further why we shouldn't fire Shirelli is basically, well, we don't want to. We've had too much change. I guess my question is, um, based on merit, based on the work that he's done, like what argument can be made to keep him around? Well, to play devil's
2: advocate, John, I think there has been too much change. though so you're right; that's not necessarily a reason. I mean, a year ago, a year ago, you were talking about him trading for Cam Talbot, who was fourth in Vesna voting. That Lucic actually had a 20 goal year, that Cassian, who they got for a goalie who's no longer in the NHL, was having an energetic, antagonistic type season. Larson uh, was a. Even Larson, yeah. who I know is not the player Taylor Hall is, was doing what he was brought in to do. You know, so there's four guys yeah. out of 20 who were having a significant impact, who yeah, for a variety of reasons I'm, haven't had the same impact, right?
4: that that's fair like uh, for me i just feel like he's been absolutely reckless with assets like i i'll never forget you know the day when we draft mcdavid i remember being at a draft party and seeing him make that trade for reinhardt and you know it, like that was just inexcusable like that that is actually the worst move he's done that has set everything yeah, back because yep. it was the deepest draft in 15 years and we got nothing with two high draft picks
3: like it's no, you're, it's you're right. Excusable. You're, like, you're right. And you know what? Going going a little further. So you, that some of the things you brought up uh, with, with trades in that there was trades that have happened where the or there are signings where they happen where people say, oh, that's that's not bad. But the one you're just talking about the the, the draft pick for for Reinhardt, everyone at that time questioned that one. Yeah,
2: and it doesn't matter if it was Barzell or not. whoever. It could have been Eric. No, no whoever. Actually, yeah, yeah. They but
3: actually, but, but, you're, but you're right. This this isn't one where you know twenty twenty vision. I mean. Everyone at that moment thought that was a bad move. So yeah, you're absolutely right on that. One. Yeah,
4: and and you know, I, like for me, when, when the whole hockey world thinks, yeah, because like you said, everybody was like, that's that's iffy at best. When the whole hockey world thinks you're wrong on something, like it's, you better be right on that issue, otherwise you look like a complete fool. And like, I, just even contracts he's made, it's based on merit. I don't see how, you know, how, how do we as fans have faith in him? He's taken some of our best assets, traded them for 50 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, signs blue cheats for seven, we got, what, five more years of this? Yes. yes. You know, at best, you know, it's still going to be probably a $3 million overpayment per year. I just, I, I know you guys said earlier, well, you know, regardless of who you bring in, we still have these people, you know, he, or we still have these, are stuck with these players. But I just feel his biggest problem was he tried to rush things. Instead of taking a couple years, he tried to win in McDavid's entry-level deal, and he made a bunch of moves to try to do that. The, and the, that that is what's backfired.
3: Well, the problem, the problem is, if if he would have slowed, then everyone would have been complaining, saying, "Why is he doing it quicker?" But no, you're right. But two things on this one: uh, they will assess him at the end of the year, and they will make a decision. The one advantage he has for being around is he was Bob Nicholson's first big hire. And Bob Nicholson will be the one that's going to be making the decision. So I believe Bob to make the right decision. I think Bob has done a good job here. I think he will make the decision that he feels is best for the Edmonton Oilers, but he's going to have to admit he's made a mistake if he fires Peter Shirelli. You my, yeah, my, my yeah, have is, have a replacement yes, that you think can do a better job. That's the biggest thing, too. Someone's got, you've got to think, okay. And, and to me, everyone is changeable. Anyone is. If you can have someone that's going to come in that you feel is better than what you have.
2: All right, we've got to take a timeout. It is 9.49, wild over the Oilers, 3-0 Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre.
1: This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630
2: Chan. 3-0 Minnesota over the Oilers tonight. Parisi with 2, Erickson Eck with 1, Dubnik 22 save shutout. Talbot trying to hold the Oilers in, 37 saves. Ovitu and Sekera both injured in the second period. Sean, face-off trivia winner. He knew that Brian Finley was the first Canadian Drafted in the nineteen ninety nine draft, sixth overall the Nashville. That's the one where the Sedines went two and three. So Sean gets a fifty dollar gift card to Bubbles brought to you by Armor Insurance. Protect your car home and business with Armor at ArmorInsurance.ca. The Sedins are retiring. A couple more home games, last game in Edmonton on Saturday.
3: Yeah, hey, I'm actually gonna be very interested in 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 try and find that game in Vancouver, their last one to to watch that. I imagine it'll be pretty emotional. They've meant a lot to that city. Uh, to my I've loved watching the Sedins play over the years.
2: All right. We got time for Dave here. Go ahead, Dave. you got about a minute, buddy. Okay. So, quickly here,
4: I wanted to bring up, like, uh, what uh, Daryl Sutter, he once was a GM and coach of in Calgary, wasn't he? And uh, he did pretty good. Like, I'll hang up and listen. What would be, like, would he come here to coach just – and I'll hang up and listen to your thoughts on
2: that. Well, that's a good question because I'm not in contact. But they're not to be sarcastic, but I'm not in contact with uh, with Daryl Sutter. I'm sure he would coach in the NHL again. Mm-hmm. I, I Does anybody have a coach GM anymore? Nobody does anymore. Uh, it's too much work. I, I you couldn't do that. I don't do think that. they would go that, that, no. that path anymore. Yeah, I mean, I don't know.
3: And he, he wants to coach. I saw him. I did an event with him last month. Uh, it's in the Sutter's blood. I mean, to Brian. The work, but, yes, Brian still coaches senior men's hockey in Innisfail. So, the, the way, if they're not coaching so, in the NHL, they're doing it somewhere else. Uh, I don't know if that if Daryl's the answer here, but I, I would I would be shocked if Daryl Sutter was not back coaching in the NHL sometime soon. You think he's got one more gig in him? Eh? I think he does. He wants it. Yeah, I and mean, he's got uh, and he's got a track record, and he's got success on his resume. I played for him, and. Uh, I think he likes me better now that I'm not playing for him than he did than he did when I played <laughs> for him. Great. But, but he, he's a Sutter, and and they love being around the rink. He'll, he'll be a coach in the National Hockey League again sometime. I just don't know if it's going to be in Edmonton.
2: One final look at the advantage. Trailer rentals, out-of-town scoreboard. Kings leading the Avalanche 2-1. Seven and a half minutes left in the second period. That's a big game in the playoff chase. The Blues lost a big game 4-2. To the Capitals, the Blues could have jumped into a playoff spot with a win. They do not. The Maple Leafs knock off the Sabres 5-2. Panthers beat the Hurricanes 3-2. The Jets outscore the Senators 6-2. Five And, of course, right here on 630 Chad, Minnesota Wild over the Edmonton Oilers, 3-0. Vegas is at Rogers' place on Thursday. We'll have it for you on 630 Ched, 530 for the face-off show. The game will start at 7. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Have a great evening, folks.